Are you afraid of going deeper? What I've discovered in our spiritual life, many of us are like the people that like to hang out at the entrance of the cave. And some of us, God is saying, leave the comfort of what you know, go deeper. You cannot hang out at the entrance always. You need to go deeper. Today, we start a brand new teaching series here on Moody Presents, meant to help us all go deeper in our knowledge of God. If you're new to our program, our teacher is Dr. Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and founding pastor of New Life Community Church. Our new series is all about helping you take the next step in your walk with Jesus Christ, a closer relationship, a, a deeper understanding. But we won't necessarily head to the New Testament to do that. No, we're actually going to head to the Old Testament. But in order to go deeper, we first need to understand where we have come from and also to know who God is. If you can, have your Bible open now to the book of Isaiah. Here's Pastor Mark to introduce our new series. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. We're starting a new series today entitled Deeper. Beyond Shallow Spirituality. Some of you know that I grew up in northern Spain, lived in a small town called Ruvena. It's a town of about 200 people with a one-room schoolhouse and a lot of sheep droppings in the street. But about 10 kilometers away from where I grew up, there was another town called Atapuerca, which actually means tie a pig. That was the literal name of the town, Atapuerca. And right out the outskirts of Atapuerca were some caves. These caves could go literally mile after mile underground and uh, were very, very extensive caves. And what I noticed is that at the entrance of the cave, and the primary cave had a Big entrance, probably at least 30 feet high and 60 feet wide. And so it was a big entrance that let in a lot of light. And people felt very comfortable at the entrance of the cave. They would walk in 10, 15, 20 feet, and because it was so bright and it was so, so much light coming from the opening of the cave, they felt very comfortable even though they were within the cave. But the further they got into the cave, the more nervous they would become because the light would start to dim and they would continually look back to see how far the entrance was. And once they got into these little passageways and it became darker inside and they didn't know exactly what was ahead of them, many of them would begin to panic. And on more than one occasion, people would say, I can't go in. And they would turn back and they'd go to the mouth of the cave because it was scary to go into the depth. Little did they know, however, that some of the most beautiful cavernous rooms of the cave lie deep within. That if you traveled a little ways and crawled on your knees a little bit and went through a few little tunnels and squeezed your way through a few things, you would come upon some rooms that were full of stalagmites and stalactites and had beautiful uh, natural shapes that were formed in the cave, some just extraordinary galleries, natural galleries, but you could not get there unless you chose to go deeper. Deeper. 
What I've discovered in our spiritual life, many of us are like the people that like to hang out at the entrance of the cave. Oh yeah, we've entered into the cave of Christianity, but we haven't ventured too far into the cave because it makes us nervous. Uh, We've stepped in far enough to feel like God is on my side. But we stay close to the entrance because the entrance represents where we came from and we want to stay close enough to the familiar. But yet God is beckoning us to go deeper. And some of us, God is saying, leave the comfort of what you know, go deeper. You cannot hang out at the entrance always. You need to go deeper. This series is to challenge you to get out of the foyer of Christianity, to get out of the entrance of Christianity, and to get into the deeper things of God, to move beyond 101 beginning stages and to move in some deeper things of God. You can be a Christian for a long time and never leave the foyer. And you say, well, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you're a foyer Christian. But you have to start discovering there's more to God, getting beyond just the basics, learning about the things of God. And so Isaiah chapter 6 felt like a great place to start this series going deeper because Isaiah chapter 6 starts with the renewed vision of who God is. You see, what's at the core of your Christianity, what influences and affects you more than anything else in your Christianity is your vision of God. Your vision of God defines how you live your Christianity. Your vision of God determines how deep you go. It determines how you relate to God. It determines how you enter into His presence. It determines a lot about your walk with God. When I was uh, 17 years old, I was, uh, was in college and I was working my way through college and, and I had a lot of questions about the future of my life and what I would be doing and what I would, where I would go and, and uh, I, I, I was needing direction. And someone gave me a book by a fellow by the name of A.W. Tozer called Knowledge of the Holy. And it was during that summer of my 17th year, I was actually working at a hotel as a waiter in southern France. And uh, I read that book voraciously. And there was a paragraph in that book that struck at the core of what I was trying to do because that book was all about knowing God. And A.W. Tozer says it this way, What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. If God to you is just the man upstairs, 
then you will live your life as though he's the man upstairs. If God to you is this dictatorial, always looking to punish, distant, abstract figure, then you will live your life always leery of getting too close to God, feeling like he's just waiting to pounce on you, counting your sins with a devious, mischievous smile on his face like, I caught you again. It'll affect the way you relate to God. If God to you is like some big teddy bear that just says, oh, don't worry, just, you know, I love you, it doesn't matter, how will you live, whatever you do, come give me a hug. You live your life that way as well. And those all may indicate a facet of God, but what will help you live for God is when you see, discover, and have a revelation of the real God. Not a God made in the image of man, but the real God. And many of us struggle with a clear understanding and a vision of God. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, has an encounter, a vision of the real God. And we're going to talk about that. Because I want you to understand who God is. And I want you to understand the character of God. Understanding the character of God. Boy, that's an important step to go deeper in the knowledge of Him. And you know, it's our prayer here at Moody Presents that you will be encouraged to do just that, to go deeper with Him. If you'd like to send in a prayer request related to this topic, or, or maybe just tell us what you do to go deeper with God, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at moodypresents at moody.edu. That's moodypresents at moody.edu. Well, let's get back to the introduction of our new study in this brand new series. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 6, and here's Pastor Mark. It says in Isaiah chapter 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was full of smoke. Now, in order to understand Isaiah's vision, we have to first of all pause at this small phrase that says, in the year that King Uzziah died. You see, to understand how they determined times and calendar years in the Old Testament, they would determine it according to the reign of kings. And so to know the season, they would refer to this was during the season of such and such a king. And it's important to understand this little phrase in the year that King Uzziah died because as we understand what happened in King Uzziah's season, you will understand why Isaiah needed such a grandiose vision of who God was. You see, if you look in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, you'll find the story of King Uzziah. 
Uzziah was merely the age of a sophomore in high school when he began to be king. He was 16 years old. And he was on the throne for 52 years. He started out well. He was the king of Judah, and he had a sensitive heart to God when he began. In fact, the Bible tells us that he, he sought after God. And although he was young, his heart was one that was seeking after God. He would ask himself, God, what would you like me to do? Uh, sometimes when you're young and starting out, you call unto God because you know how much you need God, right? And as he grew and grew in experience, he became quite the king. In fact, the Bible tells us that he uh, built fortified the towers of Jerusalem. He had innovation in their weaponry and armory. He invented, under his administration, they invented weapons that would uh, defend Jerusalem better. Their cisterns were built. Their vineyards prospered. Their economy boomed. Their enemies were defeated. I mean, he was quite the king. Blessed with the favor of God, renowned among the countrymen, he had had quite a reign, but something in all this prosperity and success changed him. You know, there's something about getting ahead that if you're not careful, can change you. Some of us are afraid of failure but oftentimes the more devious, invisible enemy is success. Uh, some of us are afraid to fail. We're afraid it will change us, hurt us. And, and we assume that if we succeed and things go well, we'll stay the same. But now he had grown into a person that depended on his own self. He was self-confident. He was, he was a leader that was recognized. He didn't need a lot of help anymore. And in his arrogance and his pride, the Bible says that it started to invade his heart. And when you become arrogant and proud, you will make decisions in your life that will ultimately cause you to fall flat on your face. That's why the Bible says that pride comes before a fall. That you get puffed up in pride first and then... Be sure of this, you will fall. The moment that you start saying, I would never fall, that would never happen to me, be ready because you'll probably fall. The moment that you look down at others that are struggling and falling and despise them and wonder, how could that ever happen? I'm above that, then be careful because you too will probably fall. The moment you start thinking that it's your power and your ingenuity and your strength and your grace and your own merit that's got you to the level that's it, that you're at, be careful, then probably you too will fall. You see, there's a pride and arrogance, an entitlement that comes with pride that makes us think that we're untouchable. I have people come to me once in a while when they hear of a minister falling into sexual immorality. They'll say to me, oh, look at what happened. I can't believe that could happen. And oftentimes the church is quick to throw stones. I always say, I can believe it. Absolutely. 
And if it were not for the grace of God and the mercy of God, you and I, we could also fall. Never act like you're beyond that. By God's grace, I've been faithful to my wife for 23 years and never fallen and never had an immoral affair of any kind by God's grace. But let me tell you, it is by God's grace. By God's grace. By God's grace. And the moment we act that we're like we're above that, the moment we act like it could never happen to us, the moment we act like we are untouchable is the moment we need to be careful because it's the moment that we could also fall. King Uzziah had become proud. He had lost the days of humility. And now the Bible tells us, we don't know exactly why this happened, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we see the most arrogant display of his pride. Verse 16, it says, He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered into the temple of the Lord to, to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, in order to understand his sin and his pride, I have to describe to you the temple. King Uzziah was the king of Judah, but there was a temple in the middle of the city of Jerusalem, and the temple was the temple that Solomon had built. Solomon was the son of David and also the son of Bathsheba, and it was a magnificent temple. In fact, it was one of the wonders of the world. It had been built by... Uh, some of the greatest artisans of the day. It had been crafted by skilled artists laid with gold. Uh, the greatest, uh, the stone, the highest quality stone and timber had been imported, taken years to build, a massive amount of money to construct, but it was a temple for the Lord God. People of all Israel would come to worship there. And this temple uh, you may have seen photos of it on the internet or some other documentary that you may have. But this temple that was built by Solomon on the east side, outer court of the temple, was a big altar, a brazen altar. And it was the altar that animals were sacrificed on. Blood was spilled on that altar for the forgiveness of people's sins, for the washing of their sins was the spilling of blood. As you entered into the temple and walked up the stairs of the temple and into the court, you would enter inside the building called the temple. At the far end of the temple was a huge veil, a, a, a thick curtain that separated the temple from what they call the Holy of Holies. If you would go behind, right before you got to the curtain, there was an, a second altar. It was called the altar of incense. The coal from the altar on the outside was brought into the inner court, and incense was burned on this altar that was right in front of the curtain, and it would give an aroma to the entire temple, and it symbolized the prayers of the saints going up unto God. Inside the veil of the temple was the Ark of the Covenant that the people of Israel had carried that was symbolic of the presence of God. It's the Ark of the Covenant that the priests touched and died because it was considered so holy. Uh, this Ark was kept behind the veil of the temple and the high priest was allowed to enter into the veiled portion of the temple, the Holy of Holies, only once a year. When they went in, they wore robes 
At the bottom of the robes, on the fringe of the robes, they had little bells to indicate that when they went in, people from the outside could hear the bells and know that the high priest was moving around inside doing the sacrifices and preparing for whatever he had to do inside the temple. But the other thing that they did is they always tied a rope around the ankle of the high priest just in case God, that this high priest had sinned in his life, that he had not done things correctly and he was struck dead. That way they could... Pull the body out of the Holy of Holies without entering in themselves. Scary job. That's how they treated the Holy of Holies, with such respect. Now, it was only the high priest, Azariah at the time, and 80 other priests who were descendants of Aaron that had the right to burn incense on either to, to, on the altar of incense or the other altar. It was the, only the job of the priest. The regular person could not do it. Not the king or any other governor was allowed to do it. You had to be a descendant of Aaron and you had to be of the priestly line in order to do so. Uzziah, King Uzziah decided that he was going to offer sacrifice or incense on the altar of incense right in front of the Holy of Holies. He decided in his mind he was big enough, great enough to do so. So he took a censer in his hand to burn in the altar of incense. And the Bible says that he walked down, marched down the streets of Judah, probably with his entire um, escort around him, the governors and everybody else making a spectacle among the people, letting the people know, I am great King Uzziah. I will go into the temple. No other king has done this, but I will. And he marched right into the temple. When Azariah the priest saw him, he said, stop, you're not allowed to do so. Eighty courageous priests stopped him and said, King Uzziah, with all respect, you cannot offer incense. The Bible tells us, look what it says. Verse 19, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn the incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priest in the presence before the altar of the Lord's temple, have you ever seen someone go into a rage? The veins are popping out in the neck. The face is red. Spittles are being shot all over the place, the voice is strained, eyes bulging out. Uzziah in front of all the priests proclaiming, pounding his chest, how he is the king, how who are they to stop them? That does, do they know that he could have them all executed and that God has had his hand upon him, that he is worthy to do that, that who are they to stop them, that he is the king of Judah, that if God wanted to stop them, God himself could stop them. He's going to do it no matter what they say. Indignant, powerful, that's what pride does to us at times. And the Bible says that he pushed through the priest. He went to the altar. Verse 20, verse 19, while he was raging in their presence before the incense of the altar, something happened to him. While he is red-faced, screaming at the priest, declaring how high he is and how no one can stop him, suddenly the faces of the priest begin to change. They begin to whisper to one another. Some of them look aghast at him their mouth open, because as he was speaking to the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead. 
And the days of your life and the days of my life are in the hands of God. I want to remind you as quickly as you've risen to wherever you're at, with one stroke of the hand of God, you, will be knocked, you can be knocked down from that pedestal. Never forget that. You say, well, as long as I have my back and my muscle, listen, in one strike of disease, you can lose your health. As long as I have my bank account and my car and my, and my money and my investments, listen, with one swipe of the hand of Almighty God, a stock market can crash and you can be in the poorhouse. So as long as I have my mind and my intellect, which is really, really developed and high, and listen, with one strike of disease, one blow to the head, you could, you could have the mind of a child. Never take your position. What God has given you, the place that he's at, for granted. Because as quickly as you have arisen to that position, so also you can be taken down from that position. We live in that state of humility before God. It's that kind of humility that you and I really need to learn. Wow. The very first message of this series already hits hard, doesn't it? Make sure you go to moodypresents.org to hear this or any past message again. Also, there are so many helpful resources at our website. We encourage you to check out moodypresents.org. On behalf of Dr. Mark Job. I'm John Geiger, asking you to join us again next week for our continued series called Deeper Beyond Shallow Spirituality. That's right here on Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.